Welcome to the Wealth Standard Podcast with host Patrick Donahoe, author of the best-selling personal finance book, Heads I Win, Tales You Lose, and one of the nation's most influential financial advisors. The Wealth Standard's focus this season is investing. 2020 opened with markets and asset prices at all-time highs, but many of us experience more financial uncertainty now than we did a decade ago. Although there are more choices and opportunities than ever before, the risk-to-reward ratio teeters on a global fulcrum, contributing to the roller coaster of emotions surrounding financial well-being. It seems like everyone is walking on eggshells. This season, we'll cover topics revolving around investment theory and strategy, atypical investments versus conventional investments, and the role of investing within personal wealth strategies. The Wealth Standard Podcast is committed to inspiring you to be more financially free. There is no better time to gain clarity about your wealth strategy, your investments, and your financial future than now. Hey everyone, Patrick here. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the podcast. It's been fun for me to talk about what's on my mind, what I'm experiencing, what I am perceiving in the lives of clients and the business and just my general observations about the environment that we're in right now. So I hope you guys have found value in it. I'm going to wrap up a lot of those thoughts in the podcast today. I had the opportunity to attend the Tony Robbins Virtual 360 Business Mastery. It's an event I've attended about half a dozen times, obviously the first time in virtual format, and it was really good. And I want to just frame the last couple of episodes with you know what Tony incessantly talks about, which is state story and strategy. But first, you know, I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you are seeing the environment that we're in right now and you're finding opportunities, you're finding things to be grateful for. You're essentially putting yourself in the right mindset and state to capitalize on opportunities because it's easy right now to get distracted. It's easy to be frustrated. It's easy to look at the environment and use it as a scapegoat for falling short of what you are trying to achieve, your goals, what you wanted for 2020, your business, your profession, et cetera. And just as much as I look at those frustrations out there, and potentially they are more extreme today than before, in the end, it's really those things that we achieve and accomplish that are most meaningful to us. And so right now is an opportunity to really dig deep, understand what you really want, what you want to achieve, and then find within you the strength to pursue and overcome what those challenges are, which stand in the way of getting what you getting what you want and achieving the life that you want. So I know that's why you're here. You know, I have titled this podcast episode, you know, being wealthy versus being rich, uh, because I think there is a difference. I think being wealthy is finding the opportunity to live life in a high level, whether things changed or not. And regardless of the environment, it's understanding that deep down. And I think today in our day and age, there's so much to be grateful for. There's so much that we are able to experience. And oftentimes we succumb to this disease of abundance where, you know, we forget and have this short-term mentality of how we live versus those that, you know, lived 50, 60, 100, 100 years ago. And and I believe that, you know, being able to find that opportunity is actually, it's an interesting paradox. I think the more you're in that mindset, the more likely you are. So the mindset of being content, satisfied, happy with where you're at, with what your life is about, whether things change or not, that mindset is most likely to get you what you believe, you know, is the environment that, that will make you happy. So, and I'll talk more about that paradox in a, in a second. 
you know, and you're probably saying, you know, throughout these, all these episodes, what does this have to do with wealth? Why don't you just tell me what to invest in? Why don't you tell me where to, to put my money and just give me a shortcut. In the end, you know, I, I think wealth again is a mindset and the tools, tactics, you know, and products, this is what I find interesting. There's, there's so much debate out there regarding the difference between this product and that product. And, you know, this has higher fees and this has lower fees and you should invest in this thing and that thing. And in the end, I would say successful investing and, and becoming wealthy it is a function of strategy, but I believe strategy comes after you understand the mindset, what I just talked about. And, you know, it's interesting. There's so many people, whether it's a real estate project that have been successful in whether it's single family homes or multifamily or industrial or storage. I mean, there's so many different aspects of real estate and people advocate for one or the other pros and cons. But in the end, there have been people really successful in that area. But you also had people go bankrupt in certain areas. You know, I had the opportunity to go to Southern Utah just with my family and some neighbors last week. And it was a huge lake. It's basically Grand Canyon that was dammed up. It's called Lake Powell. And, you know, the, it's just such a unique place. There's hundreds of feet of water and you have these, you know, big rock walls and the water's like 85 degrees. And, you know, it's really hot. It's in, in the hundreds every single day. But when we were there, you know, there were these beautiful boats was a new brand. And I'm not going to mention the brand, obviously, but I actually know some of the executive team. I did not necessarily experience them with high favor in regards to their business practices years before, typically during 2008, 2009, when I knew some of them. And, but yet they had these beautiful boats and, you know, it was, and they're all over and they're the most expensive boats on the, on the water, but only to, you know, come to find out that, you know, there were some practices that they had where, you know, there's currently lawsuits and embezzlement charges and several other things associated with it. So, so what I'm trying to say is, you know, on the surface, some things look like they are successful, some strategies and products and, and investments look like they're going to bring you success, but there's so much below the surface that if you're uneducated, you ultimately learn the hard way. And so whether it's business, whether it's the stock market, whether it's real estate, whether it's, you know, commodities, gold, Bitcoin, and other cryptocurrencies, you know, those products are important, but they're not the most important. In fact, they're kind of the, the least important. And we had a whole, you know, we have several episodes in years past about the rich dad BI triangle. They talked about successful business as well as an investment in business. And the least important thing in that triangle is the actual product itself. But yet that's where all the focus is. So for, for me, I look at, you know, what creates success and ultimately success is a, is a function of you. And so that's where I want to frame, you know, the context of uh, today with the equation that I've talked about in the past or a formula I've talked about in the past, which is state story and strategy, right? State is a function of your language, your focus and your physiology. And really state is ultimately what everybody wants, right? But they think that some sort of environment is what's going to give it to them. That if this happens or if it weren't for COVID-19, I would be this. Or if it you know, weren't for the stock market, I'd be this. If it weren't for the job market, I would be this, right? So there's all these contingencies that stand in the way of getting what people want in their mind because they believe that you know, strategy and environment has to align in a certain way in order to experience what people really want, which is all internal for me. And that's the irony. And that's why I think there's a, there's a paradox. I, I believe that, you know, really understanding yourself and understanding your mindset and being mindful of yourself, self-concept, and, and there's other terms for it. But the idea is the experience of achievement is a feeling, right? There's a focus there. There is also words you use to describe it. And being in that state, I think first 
Well, I know first, this is the paradox. Being in that state is most likely going to get you closer to what you really want or think you want, as opposed to thinking that that what you want is ultimately going to give you this specific state. So it's a paradox in a sense, because, you know, I believe that if you're content and happy and fulfilled based on what you have without anything being added to you, that is most likely going to attract the things that you really want. They will get you to the next level. They'll grow you to the next level. So hopefully, hopefully that makes sense. I know I've spoken to these, you know, these principles in the last couple episodes. And that's where, you know, I look at whether it's, you know, the, the parody of opposite George and Seinfeld or just all the different paradoxes that are out there in relation to the, I would say some of the most important aspects of, of life it applies to money as well. And I think that's the difference between wealth and, or being rich, you know? And so what I would say is when it really comes to what you want, being in that state is going to help you to have the right focus, the right language in order to perceive the right strategy for you to get what you really want. And, you know, the, what I would say is, as I've mentioned last podcast, you know, a big part of wealth is winning those battles between your emotions and reality and logic and rationality. Right now, there is such heightened levels of emotion regarding what's going on. I mean, elections are part of it. There's also, you know, states that are doing specific things. You know, the, you have the debacle with uh, with the post office. You, and so, what I'm going to do is just use an example, and I'll use the example with uh, with the post office. I mean, right now, what people place as meaning under the post office is that it should exist, it should be funded, it should get money, right? So that there's you know fairness in elections. And if you remove the post office, right, you don't allow that to happen, then, you know, there's somehow not going to be fairness, not going to be justice. So there's a couple of different ways to approach that argument. There's an emotional side of things, which typically aligns with a political party and how you think things should be run in our country. But then you also have a rational side of things. And I would say that, you know, wealth is really understanding both sides. Okay. And then being happy, whether it goes one direction or another direction, because if it goes one way or the other way, then your happiness is now contingent on something that's outside of your control. So with the post office, you know, and don't confuse the former postmaster general with me because his name is Patrick Donahoe. It's spelled with an A instead of an O. How I look at, you know, what the post office is as far as a service is concerned and the amount of money that the taxpayer has given to them over the last 10 years, which is upwards of a hundred billion dollars. That's $100 billion that needs to be given to them because they're not creating the revenue as far as expenses are concerned, right? So there's a $100 billion shortfall if you measure out all the different bailouts they've been getting over the last 10 years, and specifically $25 billion uh, most recently. And so you look at the service of the mail, what it specifically does. This is where you know there's a proper role of government when you break down the fundamentals of it, but the government has really taken this role of solving everybody's problems. And, and so you look at, again, going to the rational side of why government, you know, why our specific government was created and what its role is versus what it is today. That's the rational side of things. Now, obviously there is so much emotion and I might even get you guys blowing up on me and unsubscribing and, and, and giving me hate mail. But that again, proves my point where there's so much emotion involved with these discussions that people do not peel back the layers of reality and rationality because ultimately the post office provides a service, but it provides a service in an incredibly unprofitable way. $100 billion of opportunity costs where that money could have either not been taxed, printed by the federal or printed by the federal reserve. 
And the private sector, I believe, has solved a lot of those problems anyway. We can deliver things to people's houses. And obviously there are some you know, technical things involved in that. But look at what we've been able to do as a human race, especially the last five years with technology. There's so much complexity in the different innovations that have occurred. You know, look at the, you know, the iPhone 12 is about to come out. This is, you know, my phone, if you're watching, you know, and there's so much computing power and so much below the surface of that screen that is brilliant. And, it, and sometimes you just step back and think about what went into that. How was that created and all the different supply chains and material and the innovation and the design. And it's incredible. The complexity of that shows that human beings can get together and provide a product and service that is way more efficient than typically a government can provide because that's not necessarily their role. So again, my, the rational side of things is what's being displayed right now, but emotions are attached to this argument just because it's associated with elections and then elections go into the different parties and then it goes into who's right and who's wrong. I mean, it, it just goes into all these deeper levels of, of emotion. So it's being, and, and I'm not saying, you know, from an emotional standpoint, this party is right, this party is wrong, but really going into a rational conversation, you have to understand where your emotions are and specifically as they relate to potentially being wrong, or maybe there's another opinion that might be important to understand. I would say having those stifled, right, or muted for a moment to really understand the logical side of things or even another perspective. Man, if you can win that war, that's true wealth. Because the last thing is having a lot of money and having a miserable life. Taking a break from the show, you know, entrepreneurs inspire me. I love meeting leaders of successful ventures who discover an idea, formulate the business, and then execute. You'd assume that they know how to structure their personal finances. I believed that too, but I was wrong. Entrepreneurs are never taught to effectively manage their wealth to work alongside their business and lifestyle. All of that work, effort, toil, and time wasted. Entrepreneur 101 is an online course that teaches you a financial strategy that works so that success is not a flash in the pan, but lasting. The spirit of the entrepreneur doesn't have to be compromised. Register for the Entrepreneur 101 course today for free at thewealthstandard.com forward slash E-N-T. That's Echo November Tango. Thewealthstandard.com forward slash E-N-T. So I'm going to use another example, right? Right now, there is more people that are planning on leaving California because of the proposed income tax hike, which obviously taxes the wealthy, the higher echelon of society there, because quarantine has impacted the lives of many people. Of course it has. But at the same time, if you really think about the rational side of things, right, you have this right now, the buzzword is justice and you know social justice and economic justice and wealth inequality. And I'm not going to get into the details here because these are highly emotional topics. And I'm bringing them up because I want you to really discern between the emotional side of things and the actual logical side of things in order to come to a conclusion. And hopefully in most cases, you realize that most of the stuff you get emotionally stirred by and affected by, influenced by, it has very little meaning to the quality of your life, which is just fascinating to think about, but I won't go down that, that tangent. So as far as taxes are concerned, right? So the understanding that people are affected by, by COVID-19. Individuals, I think human, human beings, right? We seek comfort, right? I think it's natural to us, part of the, the hierarchy of needs, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we seek comfort, right? We see, seek safety. What's interesting is 
when safety, when comfort is given to somebody without any effort on their part, what it does, I think it cancels out the experience of comfort. And what it does, it also robs the individual of what separates us from, you know, one of the primary things that separates us from the the animal world, the animal kingdom, which is our ability to rationalize, problem solve, think through things and come up with solutions. And when somebody achieves, especially an achievement that puts their, you know, economic well-being in jeopardy, when somebody overcomes that, they find another job, they move to a different state, they get training and learn something new and and are now more valuable and get a different job, right? The impact that has on the human soul and what a person is able to to feel and about themselves and the confidence they have that they have, right? That is what human beings are capable of. and it's essentially being robbed by providing stimulus, right? Providing unemployment benefits by providing, you know, a bandaid to what's going on. Uh, and I know some people are down and out more, more so than others. At the same time, you stifle the experience of life that's most meaningful when you rob people of being able to figure out their own problems and overcome their own challenges. But again, this now goes into the proper role of government. Is it government's job to tax more and then give to, to those that are impacted by this? And I understand you know, the, the arguments on, on both sides. But again, my point is to bring up, you know, th- this, these high emotional conversations and help to help you really realize how much that impacts the quality of your life, especially when it comes to the things that you can't control and really don't have much relevance to your specific environment, your specific life. Now, that being the case, again, this goes to state, right? I think you, you know, you really look at what you want from your life, where you're at right now, and the gap between where you are and where you want to be. So that gap, right? Inside of that gap, obviously, is a state. And there's a story that comes from the different state that you're in, right? There Usually, the state is, well, it's the stock market's fault, or it's my employer's fault, or it's you know, my colleague got a raise and I didn't because, and it's not fair or, you know, this happened or that happened, or we always have excuses. We always have a, have a story about why we're not in the place that we really want to be. And I think that's unfortunate, but, I, but really looking at a state shift, being able to change your state, being able to, to have a different, again, there's three variables to state, a different physiology, a different focus and different language. When you start to use different language, you start focusing on what you have, not what you don't have. And you're able to really think back on the times where you have achieved, you have overcome, you have succeeded. That then is going to be a different story. And the way in which you perceive strategy, tactics, things to do. Okay. I know all of you just want shortcuts and want the things to do, want the strategies, want the tactics. But without Satan's story, those will rob you of the experience and most likely will not help you even if you did get them. But I believe that most people with the wrong state and the wrong story will not be able to use strategy in an effective way to get them from point A to point B and overcome that uh, that gap. I think it's natural for us to respond to the circumstances of life with excuses. This happened. This person left me. This person cheated me. My employer this, my employer that, the government this, the government that, the president this, the president that. When we start to take accountability for our life, that's when our state can change and doors of opportunity open up to apply strategy. All right, now I'm going to give you some strategy. I really do tactics, but I'm just going to give you some simple ones as an example. So many of you were, you listened to the season I did on capitalism. If you remember the Hernando de Soto, which I tried to get him on the podcast like two dozen times. (laughs) <laughs> but he's really old and was was very sick. But he wrote the, the book, The Mystery of Capital. Fascinating read. I'd encourage all of you to, uh, to read it. It's written in a very simple way where most people without a economic background 
can can understand and benefit from. But capitalism, capital comes from cattle, the word cattle. And the reason why it comes from the word cattle is cattle in and of itself, a cow, he didn't say it was where the value was. Capitalism, capital is created as a byproduct of the cow. So what that means is here's the cow. Now, how do we optimize the different elements of a cow? The meat, the leather, the milk, the, and you know, it keeps going on and on the different types of meat you you know, my wife's from, you know, Mexico and they eat, you know, cow tongue there and intestines. And, you know, it's like, there's a, there's an optimal way to look at all the different elements of, of a cow and, and essentially derive additional value more so than what's experienced on the surface, which is just a cow. Same thing with petroleum. Petroleum was just oil was just this nasty stuff in the ground that bubbled up and really ruined crops for farmers. Okay, but we've learned to make so many different things as a derivative of that. That's capital. Okay. So what I'm trying to, to get to here is right now in your specific life, there are ways to be more efficient with what you currently have. And that's where I would start. That's where all strategy should start, not adding, but being more efficient with what you already have and deriving opportunities from what's going on. So let me give you some examples. So recently, you know, interest rates have been extremely low. And, you know, I was able to, to refinance all my rental properties. I don't, I have a small mortgage on my home, but other than that, you know, no personal debt. So my in investments, I, I carry mortgages on all my investment properties. I was able to increase, you know, cash flow by, by thousands of dollars by just refinancing with very little money out of, out of pocket. Uh, and I was able to skip some payments as well. So it's finding ways to be more efficient with what you already have. That's a great example of doing that. If you have personal debt, refinancing personal debt and ultimately paying it off student loan debt car loan debt, being more efficient with your cash flow. The second thing for me is really is being forced based on based on what has happened with shutdown and quarantine, where you're not spending as much because you're forced to not spend in a sense. And obviously many of you, you know, may have a, an Amazon addiction, but it's really looking at what comes in and what goes out. And from a spending standpoint, I know that there are record levels of people paying off their personal debt because of this, you know, increase in discretionary income. Uh, so that's another thing is to really pay attention with what's coming in and what's going out. I've referenced you need a budget before, which is a software I use for, for my personal finances. Go over to the website, thewellstandard.com, and that will, there's a link there where I think you get a little discount for uh, for signing up, but you need a budget.com. So now that you have maybe some handle on where your cash flow is and an efficient spending plan, you're going to find equity. You're going to find the difference between what you make and what you spend. Okay, that's cash flow. So one of the things I think this is just a very simple way of doing it. It's a psychological shift, which is setting up a separate account. I call mine the Donahoe Family Fund, and the Donahoe Family Fund has has rules associated with it. Out of that fund, no money is spent on consumption. It's all investment or putting money into a financial product. So this fund, right, is completely separate from your checking account, operational account. Sometimes people have found it useful to have those accounts at different institutions. I have mine at, at the same institution, but really what it is, it's to separate, it's to create rules uh, around it and stick to those rules. And so looking at that, when money comes into this specific account, I usually advocate six months of liquidity, whether it's in a specific liquid guaranteed safe environment product, not a bank account, but more of a product. We obviously use uh, insurance with my company, Paradigm Life, but even inside of this, this fund, okay, it's having at least six months of liquidity. And that's even before paying off personal, personal debts. I would say having that liquidity, those reserves, 
there's something psychological that happens when you know that you have money in the bank that can last you six months, right? There's something that happens. It triggers oh, something and creates, you know, a level of safety and certainty that allows you to operate a little bit different. And then you, you know, essentially go through what to invest in, what type of assets. So there's two things I'm going to bring up. So I've been working on ways in which we can you know, do, do some uh, online technology uh, applications that are more self-assessment in nature. And I'd love your help. One of them is specific to what I'm talking about. It's called the Financial Independence Calculator. And uh, it's just an Excel sp- uh, spreadsheet right now. I would love for you guys to access that. Uh, just go to the show notes and you'll see a link in there. I'm going to ask for your email address because I want to request some feedback. Because I want to, you know, we're de- I'm developing some software r- right uh, right now, and getting some feedback from you guys will help with the whole experience that people have, a user experience. So if you guys would download that, check it out. What it does is it gives you a financial independence day, and financial independence day is a function of your saving, your investment cash flow, as well as your ideal scenario in which you produce and uh, and work. So I hope you guys like that one. Uh, that's a great first investment, but. There's a, a second part, a second calculator called the hierarchy of wealth. This is something I talked extensively about in uh, my book, uh, Heads I Win, Tails You Lose. If you don't have a copy of that, that's also available for free, both the PDF and the audiobook in thewealthstandard.com. Of course, you can go to you know Amazon and, and buy the book or download Audible book. There's Kindle as well, hardcover, softcover, but this is a way in which you can kind of get access to it for, uh, for for free and you can learn about the hierarchy of wealth in there. But there's a calculator that they developed, it's just an Excel spreadsheet right now. But what it does is it helps you to identify all the different assets that you have and it ranks them in a specific hierarchy. And the hierarchy that we that I came up with is a function of risk and control. And uh, so you guys will see that in there and that will help prioritize what I call your opportunity fund. So once you have money that goes above and beyond your liquidity, your six months, or some of you may want 12 months or 18 months, depending on you know your comfort level and what gives you that feeling, that psychology of certainty. When there's money above and beyond that, that becomes your opportunity fund. Opportunity fund is to make investment. So making an investment, you want to know, okay, where are the opportunities to invest? And what I would say first is to understand where your other investments are first. And that's where the hierarchy of wealth comes from. So the hierarchy of wealth will help categorize all the assets that you have right now, and then give you some insight into potentially where are some types of investments to, to think about first. But for me, one thing I am adamant about, regardless of where my investments are and how my assets are allocated, as I mentioned, business mastery for Tony Robbins, I'm huge about personal development and investing in myself to become a better leader, to understand business strategy, to understand uh, leadership strategy, to, to understand operational strategy, financial strategy within business. You know, And I believe that's where the most control is that you have and where you can ultimately find the best uh, returns. Because in the end, I believe your business and your profession is what creates liquidity. And that liquidity is then invested, uh, which creates cash flow and subsequently degree of wealth and more options when it comes to money. Guys, this is a shorter podcast, but I'm glad that you are on and listen. Please go to thewealthstandard.com to access those two free self-assessment spreadsheets. And I'd love to hear your feedback. All right. That's it for right now. There's going to be some cool guests, one specifically in the next few weeks that's going to talk about education and what's going on with our kids and options you may not have talked about before or thought about before. 
And we're also going to probably get into some other libertarian type of topics. So it's going to get juicy. All right, guys, thank you guys for your support. If you like what you're here, go head over to iTunes or your podcast app, Spotify, et cetera, and give the show a good rating. That always helps. That gets the word out. Share it with friends and feel free to share all these apps and other resources with, uh, with friends as well. All right, guys, that's it for today. We will uh, we'll talk to you next time. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Standard Podcast. Be sure to visit the show's official website, thewealthstandard.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Guest opinions are their own. If you require specific investing, financial, legal, tax, or any other specialized advice, please consult an appropriate professional. We welcome and appreciate reviews of the show. Head on over to iTunes or Stitcher to leave your review. And don't forget to subscribe to the show to get access to every new episode and exclusive interviews this season. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Oh,